Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, remember, subscribe. On this week's episode, we're launching our Municipal Interview Series, where we interview with leaders or Black representatives of specific cities across Ontario with the goal of giving them a spotlight. These cities and towns were chosen with two other considerations in mind as well. One... It was a location where we had a strong listenership. Two, it was a location with strong demand or potential among millennial homebuyers, especially those of us who are racialized. On this episode, we take a look at Shelburne, a place some call a real-life Wakanda. It's a small town just 45 minutes north of Brampton with a population of 8,126, according to our 2016 census. 16%, or 1,310 of the population, is BIPOC, and get this, over half that BIPOC population is Black, at 57%. The next biggest demographic belongs to our South Asian brothers and sisters. As many of you may recall, back in our February Black History Month series, we had Deputy Mayor Steve Anderson, the juggernaut from Shelburne, join us to share a bit about his story, as well as what he was doing to improve quality of life for his community. We also recently spoke to him about his autobiography, Driven to Succeed. It's on it's on Amazon uh, bookstore in Orangeville, the Shelburne Library, and then on uh, my website, driventosucceed.ca. Got it. And we're pleased to welcome Steve to the show once again. How's it going, brother? How you doing? <laughs> man, I, I'm doing well, man. I'm just so honored to be with you guys. You guys are killing the airways, man. So it's a blessing to be with you guys today. Thank you so much. We're doing our part. We're doing what we can. Well, why don't we jump right into the series? Let's do it. So, Steve, you've been on the pod before, and back then we asked you what Shelburne was doing under your and Mayor Wade Mills' leadership to respond to the racial revolution started by the murder of George Floyd in the U.S. and numerous cases of police brutality and systemic racism in the GTA and across Canada. When you last came, you told us about the work you did to establish Shelburne's anti-Black, anti-racism and discrimination task force, and your further work to support the task force through your role on council, including establishing the Diversity and Inclusion Committee and giving it $20,000 in operating money to give it teeth. Mm -hmm. Could you give us a snapshot of the ongoing anti-racism work that continues in your region since we last spoke? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks uh, for mentioning that. Um, well, we continue to lead by example when it comes to diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the task force that uh, was created, the first of its kind uh, in the uh, the county. And as you recall, the last time we spoke, uh, many other municipalities uh, started to follow uh, our lead. But so we continue to follow the uh, the recommendations uh, or to implement the recommendations. Uh, for example, making sure that our internal staff hiring is reflective of our community. Uh, we continue to work with our community partners and, and businesses to make sure that the needs of our diverse community are are listened to and responded to. And we certainly are doing our part when it comes to Indigenous reconciliation. Uh, we recently celebrated in the town of Shelburne, the Orange Shirt Day, along with many others across Canada. Uh, there's a lot more work uh, to be done and rest assured we're going to do it. 
Excellent. Well, we're shifting gears a little bit, moving to our most recent federal election. As you know, Prime Minister Trudeau's government was re-elected with a slightly stronger minority going from 156 seats to 160. Mm -hmm. Considering the needs of the Black and racialized community, as well as your region for which you were elected, were you happy with the outcome? And what specific policies were you pushing for, if any? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, like most people in the Black community, I was looking to see how many qualified and talented Black people were going to be appointed as ministers. Right. That's first and foremost, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes. so that's what I was like on the edge of my seat. Let's look at who, who's walking down to Rideau Hall or whatever it is uh, so that I could get a glimpse of who who might be uh, appointed. So that that certainly was on the fore, forefront of my mind. Right. Um, uh, in addition to that, I, I was looking uh, for the government, and I'm still looking for the government to follow through uh, on investments when it comes to Black businesses and organizations. There's been a lot uh, more broadly spoken about uh, when it comes to curbing uh, xenophobia, Islamophobia, anti-Black racism. So certainly want to see what the government is going to do regarding that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk about investment in mental health, and, and there should be, uh, along with affordable housing for, for our youth. So those were some of the things sort of on a micro and a macro level that uh, I was looking to see. Was I happy by the outcome? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you know, um, the outcome was the outcome. I'll just, I'll just say that. Uh, it certainly begs the question because I think they only gained a couple of more seats from their previous election. So right. the question is, you know, was it really worth, you know, I think the estimate was about $600 million cost to taxpayers. Was it really worth to go down that path only to get a couple more seats? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I assume that you were happy with both uh, Minister Hussein and Minister Ian being named to cabinet. What did you think about Greg Fergus or uh, Ariel Kayabaga being skipped out this time around? Uh, well, Ariel is 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 a rookie uh, MP, and so um, I, I guess I wasn't totally surprised. He certainly, uh, you know, I think is a good uh, choice. I don't think it would have shocked anybody if. Uh, uh, she was appointed because she's a rising star in her own uh, in her own right. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the great work that she's doing in London. Greg, on the other side of things, uh, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people were uh, surprised to see that um, he did not to get a position. And the reason why I say that, I, certainly for myself, is because when I was watching the news and I heard the people who um, got appointed, uh, I heard things like. Uh, good friend, uh, 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 a person who kept their nose down and did their job, uh, mm-hmm. someone who could be trusted. And mm-hmm. it seemed to me that Greg was all of that and then some. Yep. And it sort of begged the question, um, you know, being that individual that fit those criteria, why is it that it appeared that he got a snub? Now, whether there's something else in the works for Greg uh, that we are yet to see, uh, I guess we have to be patient for that. But it mm-hmm. certainly let, uh, left a lot of people scratching their heads for sure. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> but uh, as I've uh, discussed with numerous others, I mean, in truth, we could say the same thing for various other demographics, whether we're talking about the Asian community, um, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's just a question of sometimes we get all we want. Sometimes we don't. True. So as you know, federal cabinet was given a deadline of October 29th to respond to two Canadian Human Rights Tribunal rulings that were upheld by Justice Paul Favel at Superior Court. One ruling compelled the government to give all Indigenous kids who were taken into care of the state on or after January 1st, 2006, $40,000 and covered grandparents of children denied essential services. 
The other ruling concerned Jordan's principle, establishing that federal and provincial governments prioritize the needs of indigenous kids over jurisdictional squabbles. The government decided to appeal, which we find disappointing. If you were sitting around the cabinet table, what would you advise the federal government to do? Oh, man. Well, first of all, let me uh, start off by boring a line from um, Selena, the former, former liberal MP. Uh, you mother, you know the rest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, seriously? Um, you know, this has been ruled on by how many levels of court saying that the government should do the right thing and give uh, the indigenous community what they deserve and, and more so than some, uh, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. Uh, to me, um, the appealing and the appealing and the appealing and then waiting to the last minute to decide whether or not they were going to appeal again, uh, I think sent the wrong message, especially when the government is coming out on the forefront and saying that uh, the indigenous relationship is one of the most important relationships of the liberal government. And yeah. so when you say that public facing and then behind the scenes and closed doors, you are trying to stymie the progress and to give compensation to those who clearly deserve it. Um, there's an inconsistency there that uh, I think uh, rubs people the wrong way. Now, yep. listen, yes. I'm happy to see that the government is now prepared to sit down and negotiate and finally mm-hmm. do what uh, they were told to do a long time ago. And so we'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, jumping from one level of government to the next, what were your thoughts when you heard Premier Doug Ford's ignorant, xenophobic and racist comments in Tecumseh a couple of weeks back? And, you know, how, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there. What did you think about that to start with? Well, I think I, you know, as as most uh, immigrants and just most decent Canadian people, I wouldn't want to just isolate it just to immigrants because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, an offense is an offense, uh, regardless of what cultural background uh, or, or where you live. Um, and, and that's what it was. It was it, it really came across as suggesting that uh, immigrants uh, are, are coming here and trying to uh, um, lay down on the public dime and not sort of earn their keep. And we know that's not the immigrant story. And and whether there might be some that engage in that, well, there are, you know, there are Canadian-born individuals that engage in that as well, and I don't hear them being called out. So right. it, it just sort of plays into the narrative that, um, you know, immigrants are coming here, again, on the public dime, uh, not contributing. And so when somebody makes the comment, especially at that level, to say, you know, if you think you're going to sit around, you know, you, you better go somewhere else. I don't think anybody's applying here to come and just sit around. Right. Uh, and so I, I thought it sent the wrong message. Um, and you heard a lot of people from uh, across the board speak up on that. Yeah, definitely played into a trope. I, I'm wondering what you think about his overall strategy, you know, seven months out from the election. Do, do you think his strategy of ejecting several rural, you know, older white male ministers in favor of several younger and diverse ones will secure him a second term? And do you think that he's kind of playing both sides? And uh, hear me out for a second. Hmm. He's, he's clearly saying stuff that he knows is not okay. I mean, I called it a Don Cherry moment last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not apologizing for it, right? And at the same time, he's also trying to kind of appeal and appease to certain other demographics. Do you, so do you think that kind of strategy is going to work for him? Well, um, you know, some could argue that uh, Aaron O'Toole was doing the same thing and is doing the same thing when he talks about, I encourage people to get the vaccine, but he's saying on the first opportunity, he's going to fight it. So mm-hmm. what, what, what is your clear message here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that we're, you ask, you're asking me this question, we're having this conversation on the, uh, on the 
with Halloween right around the corner, because oftentimes when it comes close to the elections, uh, many uh, politicians across all stripes are handing out a bag of tricks and goodies. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and so the 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 provincial government is no different in that sense. We see this happen year after year, or every time the elections is about to be called. Um, will it help him to secure another mandate? Mm, you know, maybe. Uh, certainly, uh, he. You know, th- this is a good piece of legislation, uh, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. Regardless of how we may think about uh, his overall performance. Uh, you can't help but to say that, you know what, representation matters is something we all say and we all applaud. And so when he's making and taking steps to do that, uh, I could only commend him for 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 doing that. Again, uh, does it seem like, you know, waiting to the end because the election is coming? The old saying uh, goes, it's better late than never. Hmm. So, Steve, th- this is a big one. OK, Th- there's been a lot of activity in the housing market over the last year and a half, in particular, as people have left large cities seeking more space and to hopefully find something reasonably priced. And that trend isn't slowing down anytime soon. This is especially true for millennial home buyers, as you know. For example, in the past year, the number of home buyers getting help from mom and dad jumped to 30% uh, from 20% in 2015 at an average gift size of, wait for it, $82,000. That's a lot of money. Yo, whose mom has that kind of money? Anyway, um... <laughs> Cumulatively, $10 billion in wealth has transferred from parents to children in just the last year alone. $10 billion. We know that you have clearly and often and loudly touted Shelburne as a, a, a great place for young home buyers with young families. Why don't you share with our listeners who may be looking to buy their first home why they should consider Shelburne? Mm. First and foremost, I, I'm going to say that I'm one of those parents that have doled out a lot of money for their child to be able to get their first home. Um, we bought our first home for our daughter not too long ago. In fact, it was just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know uh, that trend uh, as, as I'm directly a part of it. Why Shelburne? And, and thanks for asking me. You know, when I once upon a time when I was looking for affordable housing, when I was looking for a place to live, Shelburne came on to the uh, to the radar. And that's what got me to the town of Shelburne. But I tell people all the time, it's not what got me to stay in Shelburne. It was the people. And so for young people who are looking to secure a property, uh, price is important, yes. But select a community where you feel welcomed, you feel valued, and you feel that the elected officials, their leaders, uh, see you for who you are and respect you for who you are. And I could say to anybody, quite confidently, as you mentioned, that we are proud of how we respect and treat our residents. And I think this is the reason why, as the census has pointed out, uh, Shelburne back in 2016 was the fastest growing town in Ontario and the second fastest in Canada. And that's for a reason. It's beyond just pricing. And so if you're looking for a place to live, uh, as 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 Curtis said before, uh, it is really the Wakanda of the North. <laughs> Thanks again to Deputy Mayor Steve Anderson of Shelburne and see y'all next time. You just listened to episode 74 of The Drip. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, and for the next few weeks, we'll be speaking to the leaders or black counselors from Brampton, Ottawa, Ajax, and more. So subscribe to stay up to date. We strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip TO. And you know, we love our many non-black, non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our black listeners... We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. 
So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Thanks again to Deputy Mayor Steve Anderson of Shelbourne, and see y'all next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.